0: Well, in what's being hailed as a human rights milestone in British Columbia, the province is ending an arrangement with Canada Border Services Agency to hold immigration detainees in provincial correctional facilities. In a statement, Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth said, the review brought to light that aspects of the arrangement do not align with our government's commitment to upholding human rights standards or our dedication to pursuing social justice and equity for everyone. So, what took so long and why the change now? Aidan Campbell is a lawyer with Edelman and Company and they join us now. Good morning, Aiden.
1: Hi, Roddy. Nice to have me on.
0: So, there's uh, long been criticism from human rights groups of how the province has incarcerated immigrants and refugees in jail without reason. How did the system work and what exactly has changed?
1: Well, the People actually um, incarcerating people is still the CBSA, the Canada Border Services Agency. The province just had an agreement with them to house, it used to be um, nearly all immigration detainees in the province. Um, and then recently, in the last couple of years, uh, the federal government built a holding center of their own. So now only those detainees seen as higher risk were in provincial facilities, but the way that that designation is made and the, the location and conditions of detention are completely outside of the scope of anybody's review. So as somebody who works with immigration detainees, the, this change is a really welcome a, a really welcome adjustment to how the system works. But it's not that immigration detention in the province is actually ended. There are still a a number of people held, and it's going to be interesting to see what CBSA and the wider federal government decides to do with this decision by the province and what other provinces are going to do.
0: okay. Okay, so you've made a clarification there that it's not like one fell swoop. The the system is uh, no no longer going to uh, detain them. Some people will still be incarcerated.
1: Yes, and and it's really just, it's it's still a huge win, I think, for advocates in that uh, as somebody who works with people in immigration detention quite often, the provincial facilities were never really set up to hold Um, immigration detainees. Uh, It was difficult to get in touch with them. It was hard to have them attend hearings, especially virtual hearings through COVID. Um, There's no video link. There's uh, often really bad cell service in those places and unreliable phone lines. They're just not set up for the kind of communication and access that counsel needs in these situations.
0: Can you tell us more about those conditions? What were they like for detainees? just practically speaking?
1: It, it really depends. Through the last few years in co- um, during the pandemic, um, there have been frequent lockdowns in the name of um, uh, pub- like the safety of inmates and particularly safety of staff. And that has meant... Um, a lot of time by yourself in a jail cell. You're not, there's no special, in the provincial facilities, there are no special cells for immigration detainees, though they were tend to be hived off from the rest of the inmates, but you're just in a jail cell. And again, the um, CBSA is allowed to detain somebody not necessarily because they are a danger, but also because they're a flight risk. They think they're not going to show up for a, an immigration proceeding or just because they don't know who somebody is, if somebody's identity is unknown, they can hold you uh, used to be effectively indefinitely, though that has changed a bit in the last few years.
0: Okay, yeah, so and, people- and they're often held without any uh, reason. And you mentioned they're a jail cell and isolation. So they're not comfortable or safe spaces. I think a lot of people have it in their minds that they're, they're separated. These immigrants and refugees are separated into a more comfortable, cozy area, but it's not the case.
1: No, I, I've had clients quite indignantly. I mean, uh, the conditions for all...
0: Yeah, tell us, like, what have your what if your clients be, told you about what they've seen and experienced?
1: There's an enormous amount of, uh, I don't think it comes as a surprise to anyone, there's an enormous amount of drug use in BC, uh, provincial facilities. Um, there are people, uh, often they're held in um, the remand facilities or, or pretrial detention facility in Surrey, Um, where you have people who are sort of being frequently arrested and incarcerated, uh, folks coming off the downtown east side for drug use or or other um, sort of public disturbance issues, uh, people breaching their probation conditions. So you have a sort of in and out constant change of of those around you and, and being in an environment, particularly if you're new to Canada, you don't speak the language and you're suddenly surrounded by a bunch of people who... Um, you're not used to being around, and the the, the, jails are not, like you said, safe. There's um, a fair amount of violence in these facilities. There's certainly the the threat of violence. Many people who are in custody are there because they have committed acts of violence, and if you're there as a a newcomer to Canada, a refugee, um, or somebody seeking asylum, um, it's a shock to the system and just the fact of detention. If people want to know more about the actual conditions that were faced by people coming to Canada, I would really recommend watching the testimony of former detainees um, before the Vancouver City Council, uh, before they, pushed the pro- they made it passed a resolution pushing the province to make this change. Um, I think that would be the, the best place for people to start to get a real sense of, of what's, what was facing people.
0: I did some poking around on this, and I'd like to read you part of a tweet from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau from 2017. He wrote, to those fleeing persecution, terror, Canadians will welcome you. Diversity is our strength. That's part of his tweet. How does that sit with you? Is that how we welcome refugees and immigrants to Canada?
1: Unfortunately not. That tweet has received a lot of criticism from advocates, and I think if Uh, Trudeau could take that back he would because it did it caused a lot of people particularly those waiting in the United States um, and scared of an incoming Trump administration uh, to cross the border either regularly or irregularly and make claims for protection in Canada and many of those people ended up detained either on entry just for a few days and, and some of them then for weeks and then months so Canada has a sort of two-faced relationship with refugees and asylum seekers. There's, what the government wants is people that we can pre-clear. We can have the UNHCR in a refugee camp or in a displaced person's camp in another part of the world, go through somebody's background, do as much vetting as they can, and, and then give them pre-clearance to come to Canada. Um, and then, as we saw with uh, many refugees coming from Syria... Um, or uh, you have them being greeted at the airport with a smiling prime minister and a hug and a photo op. Um, But if you, of your own accord, come to Canada and and try to seek asylum, uh, don't have the opportunity to go through that system because of the part of the world you're coming from or because those systems are, uh, they just don't work for a lot of people and take an enormous amount of time. There's... uh, a different face that greets you, and often it's an RCMP officer over the border, and they're mm-hmm. generally um, polite and and respectful. But
0: it's <laughs> scary nonetheless, I'm sure. and it's yeah.
1: incredibly scary coming yeah. from those kind of places to be met with. Sure, uh, police, and then CBSA, yeah, and then jail.
0: Okay, well, thank you, Aiden Campbell, for sharing that perspective with us today.
1: Of course, thank you so much for having me.